0: The high ground. Let me start from the beginning. The Big Bang hit. God created the world in seven days. Dinosaurs were born. Eve ate the apple. Dinosaurs died. Cain killed Abel. Cavemen wrote on walls. Abraham almost killed Isaac. Gregory Smalls discussed the connection between all of these events at his bar mitzvah sermon. Some of his theories showed his love for God. Others showed his disdain. It didn't matter much. He was preaching at a Reconstructionist synagogue. Led by Rabbi Julia Schechter, who only considered herself Jewish culturally, it was common to cheer and clap along with the words spread to the congregation. Modeling her ways after the Baptist church, some of her critics found her to be more than insufferable. She preserved the tradition of carrying the Torah around the synagogue for all the people to kiss with their Talit. The only problem was the people of this faith touched the kosher parchment with the same lips they used to eat pepperoni pizza with. Yes, every ceremony began with the breaking of the pepperoni pizza. They bought them from Lazy Susan's, the worst pizza place in town. Everything was made from scratch, including their cheese, which one former employee claimed was made by curled human breast milk in a pinch. I hated it. I hated it all. I especially hated the way they ran the Torah through the aisleways. No one seemed to care about my wheelchair and my service dog, Daniel. Daniel was always a big hit at bar mitzvahs. He made it so people forgot I was paralyzed from the waist down. I couldn't believe I was actually invited to this one. Smalls was the most popular kid in our grade. We were friends before the accident, not so much after, but he always was there to stand up for me against the bullies. This one kid named Chris that everyone called Slamma Lamma Ding Dong, or Ding Dong for short, on account of his supposedly llama-sized schlong, used to take four bricks and place them on the outsides of the wheels of my wheelchair during recess so I couldn't move. One time Smalls took one of the bricks and literally chucked it at Ding Dong's back. He was bruised for a week. And sure, Smalls got suspended, but in some way we both understood it was him paying a debt. The cocktail hour ended and the real fun began. Curly Sue came over and asked me to dance. I didn't recognize her at first. She had just shaved her head because she was tired of dealing with her trichotillomania. That's when you obsessively pull your hair out, if you weren't sure. I wasn't sure if I should say anything, so I said nothing. But Daniel was a good sport. He laid down as Sue patted him on the head and I told him to sit still until I returned. The dancing was awkward and somewhat formulaic. We grabbed hands, swinging heads like opposite pendulums, ensuring we didn't make eye contact. It didn't help that my eyeline was up against her chest. Just once, once I looked up and she looked back. We were all the oceans. There was no Atlantic. There was no Pacific. We were just one body of water. And so, I was certain I would never fall in love again. Spoiler alert, I never did. You want to do something more fun? I asked. What's that? Take my wheelchair handles and run in a circle around the rest of the dancers. What if we run someone over? She asked. They'll move, or if we're lucky, they'll form a conga line behind us. It didn't take long for that to happen. It felt pretty cool to be at the front of the line. From the looks of the snake's tail, almost everyone at the party was on board. That was when I noticed Daniel was running around without his leash. I spun my head, following him until he landed on the only other person in a wheelchair at the party. She must have been in her 90s. Somehow I thought he was just confusing us until Daniel began humping her leg. He went from old lady to old lady humping all of their legs. The women screamed and cried for help. Daniel ran over to me and the conga line stopped. Smalls' mom, Kathy, ran over to the DJ and grabbed the microphone from him. She looked down straight into Daniel's eyes while he whimpered. You're out of here, she screamed. Most of the party hollered. Curly Sue backed away. He's just a dog, I said. He didn't know. Oh, he knew, she called. He's a trained service dog. He knew. But he's neutered and everything. He's just a dog. He's never done anything like this before. Did anyone feed him chicken, I asked? He goes a little crazy on chicken. So you're blaming it on the chicken. He's a grown dog. I... Are you supporting this behavior? Asked Small's mom. I'm sorry on Daniel's behalf, okay? I'm sorry. He's just a dog. It's just what dogs do. Just what dogs do? The crowd gasped. Small's mom dropped the microphone and ran over to me. She leaned in close to my ear so only I could hear her. If you're going to defend such disgusting behavior, then you can leave too, she whispered. I don't care if you're crippled. I don't care if that dog helps your life or saved it. If you support that behavior, then you can get out of here with that stinking mutt. And I don't want to see either of you again. I put Daniel back on his leash and we headed out the back doors with our heads hung low. I texted my mom to come pick me up and she texted back asking if something was wrong. I told her that I had too many Shirley Temples and was feeling sick. Using several exclamation points, she warned me against the use of sugar after 6 in the afternoon. I told her I got caught up in the excitement. She suggested that I had too much pepperoni pizza and was thirsty. A few minutes passed. I heard the doors of the temple swing out from behind me. I turned back to see Gregory walking out alone. I held my breath. He was going to yell at me for ruining his bar mitzvah. They were going to stop calling me crippled boy at school. They were going to start calling me the dog humper. I couldn't even decide which was worse. Hey, said Gregory. Look, I'm sorry, okay? You don't need to be sorry. This is my fault. How is this your fault? Don't play dumb. Daniel's not your dog. It's not your fault. Yeah, but... If I didn't push you... Let me start from the beginning. When I was five, Gregory was my best friend. We went to day camp together at Summer Elation. The first pool day, Gregory pushed me into the shallow end and I snapped my spine. For a time, I couldn't move anything below my neck. With months of physical therapy, I found movement from the waist up once again. Y2K passed. The Twin Towers toppled down. The United States went to war with Iraq. Barack Obama became the first black president. Daniel humped a bunch of old ladies at Gregory's bar mitzvah. I'm not sure if any of this is related, as I don't believe in the butterfly effect, but I do know this. God told me to push you in, said Gregory, just like he told Abraham to kill his son. So has God blessed you for following his command, I wondered. I don't know, he said. The psychiatrist I'm with put me on so many medicines when I told him I can talk to God that I can't talk to God anymore. Gregory burped. I could tell something came up and he swallowed it back down. Do you think Lazy Susans really makes their cheese from breast milk? he asked. I wanted to answer, but my mom pulled up with the van. She yelled out the window to wish Gregory a happy bar mitzvah and said it was nice to see the two of us together again. He put his hand on my shoulder and smiled. I could tell he actually found some joy in talking with me, as brief as it was. I got in the van with Daniel and watched Gregory walk back inside. That was the last conversation we ever had, though he sent me a nice text when Daniel died. The Big Bang would always be the universe's greatest catastrophe. That is to say, birth is a greater hindrance to life than death itself. But nothing ever hit me harder than Daniel's death. Nothing ever will. The High Ground is a story that comes from so many different places. Uh, I guess some of it's based on my own bar mitzvah, where my Torah portion was about Abraham killing Isaac, or going to kill Isaac. And I had a pretty sacrilegious sermon, talking about how could God exist if this was real. I mean, I love Philip Roth, so... How could I not write something that's poking fun at Jews just a little bit, as a Jew myself? um what else oh this story is also a social commentary on something but i'm not going to tell you what it's a social commentary on you can decide that for yourself or figure it out for yourself i don't want to get myself in trouble (laughs) so that means a lot of people are probably not going to guess things that i wasn't talking about or think things i wasn't talking about but it's better than me actually explaining the truth the next story is called an american dog it's story 17 I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't remember what this next story is about. I remember why I wrote it, and I remember when I wrote it, but I don't remember what happens in it. So it'll be a surprise and fun for all of us when we listen to it up next. An American Dog, number story number number 9? Number 9? No, story number 17. Thank you for listening.